not right game. I've been waiting about 15 years to do this podcast because I wasn't sure what to do with this these tapes. Uh, my name is Pete Contino. My father was Dick Contino. Um, man, world-renowned accordionist. So, this podcast, Accordion Brat, that's me. I consider myself an accordion brat because I was on the road with my dad when I was like, I don't know. It just came to me. I just used that name. So, this... um. This podcast is my father talking. This I'm going to play a few episodes. Um, we started off, I, I moved back in town from L.A., back to Vegas. My father was uh, went back to his house, and we'd meet every morning, man. We'd go get, get some coffee, and I'd meet up at the Starbucks on the corner. So he would go on these four-mile walks every day. And um, one time he, he came in, and I said, um, I said, hey, Dad, if I bought a little handheld tape recorder, would you uh, just talk talking to it? You know, I'm going to get some blank tapes just on your walk. Whatever you feel inspired to say. It doesn't have to be chronological, just whatever. And uh, and he agreed. So I thought maybe he'd do a couple tapes, maybe just a couple ramblings. Uh, man, within like three or four days, he had a, a bag full of tapes that he uh, filled up with his stories. Um, everything from childhood to a horse height days, new talent show, uh, his beef with the army and, and all that. So uh, I kept it in a, in a safety deposit box for about, gosh, like like almost 10 years. I don't know why. It was just it would I just wanted it documented and I just put it away. Well, we were in North Dakota doing a gig and Corky Bennett, Corky Brumble actually goes by. Um, my dad's uh, close friend, my close friend, he's like an uncle to me, and a keyboardist, he wanted to do a book. So they asked me if I had the tapes, and I said, yeah, I pulled them out of a safety deposit box. Uh, Corky transcribed it, put it on, put it in book form, um, sold a few copies. But for me, there's nothing like um, just to hear my father talk. Uh, even growing up as a boy, I would he would tell me stories, and I would listen to him. Man, they'd be the same stories, but I didn't give a shit. I I just loved hearing him talk about you know these days, man, back in the when he first started. And so this is this is for fans of my father. I'm not sure if you stumble onto this podcast. Um, if you're not familiar with Dick Contino, go to YouTube, uh, check it out, pull up anything. He's he's um, you just see a, a ton of videos that people have uploaded, and it's, it's fantastic. You know, again, what he did at that time, and you know, it, it's 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 pretty cool. He found his niche and just and just man did, did his thing. So anyway, so I got the tapes. I um, and I just put I I I didn't edit them. There, the quality isn't great. He's walking on the streets of Las Vegas, but you hear his words, man, and you hear him say, you know, tell his story. This first episode, I'm taking it right from when he gets um, gets on the Horace Height show. He's about 18 years old, just got out of high school. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy, and uh, I'll see you at the end of this. <laughs> anyway, back to the music, the accordion, the phobias. Oh boy. Had my own little world right around me. Got mom and dad and family. And honestly, if I go anywhere, I go with somebody, you know. Play the accordion. Intensified so much that 
I guess for what I was doing, I had the passion and what I just big Leonia tries to look when you when you're standing up, make sure you point your toes straight, don't open your, kind of a I was sort of original with that for you. I couldn't understand that. I had to ex exude emotion, you know, with my whole body, causing even women for years later to say, you play that accordion like you're making love. That accordion, you know. Well, maybe, you know, I was wishing it was a girl. I don't know, I just played with passion. It seemed to work. But the folks were all set to move to Los Angeles. And my dad, you know, we'd, by this time we had moved to 1845 Harrison. And uh, so we had plans to leave, like on this Monday. That Friday before that, I was 17 years old now. I was about in the month of, uh, who knows, you know, maybe the, the fall of 40, 1947. Um, my, uh, my mom says, well, we're, we're going to leave Monday. You better go to the union and get your transfer. I was the youngest uh, member of the Musicians Union, Fresno, there. So, uh, she said it uh, like that afternoon, and uh, I didn't go. I went bowling with this guy, John Grado, who later became my brother-in-law, and his brother, Frank. I figured, you know, get the transfer anytime. Talk about timing. I, now, you know, I'm now I firmly believe in something that works like that. Um, so I... We went bowling, and so I got back, and my mom was, and my dad were over at the, my Uncle Joe's, my dad's brother, him and his wife, Augustina, Augie, my Aunt Augie. I got to that night, and she says, uh, well, did you go get your transfer? And I says, no, go get it right now. She said, I, well, Mom, it's night. It's, it's like 7 o'clock. I said, go right now. We're leaving Monday. So, so Johnny came with me. And uh, I went down there, and it was like upstairs, like downtown Fresno, you know, older building naturally. And uh, I went to see uh, so the, the, the secretary of the union, Henry Betcher. Oh, so you're going to Los Angeles? Well, yeah, you know, we were talking. And about this time, a guy named Alan Bode, B-O-D-E, Irish. Typical looking Irishman. Right, he come up the stairs. And so uh, I guess Henry knew, of course I knew him was Mr. Betcher. Didn't call him Henry as a kid. Uh, Mr. Betcher says, uh, I guess he, he knew they were auditioning for this uh, new show, this radio show. It was before television. So he says, uh, is Bodie, I can still picture Bodie walking up those stairs. And he says, hey, if you're looking for an accordion player, this is the kid you want to hear. So Bodie, you know, he was, <laughs> he's a great guy. He always looked like he had been drinking, you know, but very, like, you know, the way you say, there's an earthquake, Alan, he'd go, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know? And uh, 
He says, uh, okay, kid, hold on, I'll take a get you. He says, how about coming in town? I mean, how about not coming? He knows even town. How about auditioning Monday? Uh, can you come in? I says, no, Mr. Bodie. I says, uh, my folks are we're moving to Los Angeles, you know, Monday. So, you know, even when you try to walk away sometimes from something, if you're destined, I guess, I know, I don't guess, I know, something still pulls you to it. I realized there's a principle today, but uh, back then I didn't. I just thought, well, we can't make it, you know, and I'm leaving. So he says, uh, okay, he says, how long will it take you to get your accordion? I said, geez, uh, maybe half hour. He says, okay, kid, go get your accordion and come on back to the uh, Fresno B uh, radio station. I'd like to hear you play. Great, so I, I, I got my, my my buddy Johnny, who went to the house, and I didn't tell uh, didn't tell my folks anything. He told him, okay, I called her up. I called up my mom. I says, yeah, I got my transfer, but Johnny and I are going to go, maybe we'll go back to the bowling alley or something. I didn't want to, you know, build up any high hopes or something. Okay, just don't be too late. So I shaved, cut myself shaving. Remember, we're a pair of, uh, like, jeans, you know, with a white shirt open and... Grab the accordion. Prior to that time, uh, any sense of performance was like with the dance band. My uncle Pete, Pete Giordano, he was great. A natural uh, uh, saxophone and clarinet. He was great. Natural player. You know, he could he could read too, but a natural musician. So he took me like on my first job, you know, he would, he'd take me on my first job and, you know, and then after that we'd go do different jobs, he'd go to pick me up. My dad was so proud. This is digressing back to, you know, right of the Horosite thing. And uh, he and Ralph Manfredo on keyboard, and Frank DeLuca on drums. Jeez. <laughs> they always seem to want to pick, you know, let's bring Dickie along. Maybe I made uh, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. So but the point I'm making is that I, you know, I, if I sat around trying to, I had all this, by this time, you know, I had the Cagnasso principles working. So I, I would apply them to, like, so I knew three songs, Lady of Spain, Bubble Boogie and Tico Tico, as far as show songs are concerned. But I played, you know, uh, There's a Small Hotel, you know, I played all these other songs, are the Honeysuckle Rose, ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba -da, you know, all the songs of that, you know, so we, we do it as a dance thing. But every time I did, my Uncle Pete and those guys would note that while I was playing, well, I got to do a solo, you know, just do a, a takeoff, as we called it, on a chorus or two, people would stop dancing. And uh, they just stand on the dance floor and watch me play. And so they would note that. My folks would note that. They just all assumed, boy, this guy's got something, I guess. They couldn't, you know. But I mean, I, I wasn't playing like the Lady of Spain then or Bumble Boogie or. Anyways, the reason I mention that is because. Uh, like, when I went back to see Bodie. 
I uh, I got the accordion and and uh, so I thought, well, I'll play. I'll, I'll, well, I played Lady of Spain. I thought I'll play Lady of Spain. It's flashy. And uh, but I thought the way I'd compete. By playing, you know, because I played my experience up to that point was mostly with the, with the dance trio and stuff. That I would uh, I would play, uh, you know, like uh, I do my my heroes, my idols were like Charlie Magnanti out of New York, uh, Ernie Felice out of San Jose, Art Van Dam. I think he was out of Chicago originally. So I'd imitate them, my idols. So I thought either way, but. Long story short, okay, now when I, so Bodie, when he heard me play, and I know whether he was impressed mainly with Lady of Spain and Tico Tico and Bumble Boogie or the other thing, the medley, he says, Kid, he says, you got to come back. He says, uh, Height's got to hear you. I don't know who Horace Height was, and certainly uh, my mom and dad didn't know. So I thought, wow, all of a sudden I, I felt this this inner enthusiasm, like, uh, maybe this is right, maybe there's something I'm supposed to do. So now I went back, so they were, t he was filling me in on all these possibilities, you know, national radio, the whole country will hear you play. They didn't even know what the format would be at that time. It was supposed to be a contest, I guess, out of Fresno is all I thought, that the whole country would hear me play the accordion. I wasn't even thinking about winning or losing, I just thought, the country hear me play the accordion. Went to my Uncle Joe's that night after, you know, and that's when I decided to tell the folks, I said, hey, you, I told them the whole story. And they want me to come back. And my dad said, ah, come on, who the hell's, who, who the hell's Horace Hyde? He called him Horse Hyde, Horse Hyde. He said, who the hell's he? I said, I don't know, but I said, it's a radio show. You know, Dad, blah, blah, blah. no, 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 no. We're, we're going to Los Angeles. Come on, we're going to move. You're going to make Harry Rogers mad. There was a, there was a, a, an agent I went to audition for at one point in my, you know, like during high school, right after high school, named Harry Rogers. And Harry had booked me at the, at the Pike Theater in Long Beach with the Will Maston Trio, which consisted of Sammy Davis Jr., his father, and his uncle. Well, it was before Sammy, you know, we had both eyes before his accident. And he just, he just tapped that. He maybe sang a little bit, I don't know, but they were just exciting. And, uh, you know, for years after that, Sammy kind of held that against me. And I'm not being paranoid. I'm just, I, don't, I don't care. I'm just saying that seemed that way because I did a benefit once with him in Reno, and he was, quote, a superstar. He boasted on how the next act he was going to introduce he had to open for. Like, whoa, do you believe I haven't once had to open for this? And I thought, oh, well, fuck it, you know. Because that was exactly it. The theater manager says, you know, uh, he thought I was, I had this something, you know, and I guess. And so he wanted the Will Maston Trio to open, and I would close the show at the Pike Theater. Bob Bill was dead at that time. But we were taking a shot, and Harry, you know, he was pretty proud of that, having booked me there. And nobody knew about Will Massentree or Sammy Davis then. So they heard, neither was Dick and Tino name. We were both acts. Then he was gonna, he was gonna book me with a violinist. And folks thought, wow, 
You know, at one point, uh, he had me audition at the Pantages Theater on the stage there in, Los in Hollywood for a couple of people. And I remember it was about the time of the Jolson story. It was coming out, it had come out, or it was coming out, I don't know. And uh, the song, uh, the anniversary song about, you know. So I'd play that man with all the soul and passion I could. And, yeah, this kid's got it. But like I say, uh, the vaudeville seemed to be, uh, there was no vaudeville, you know, sort of dead at the time, it seemed. And uh, tried to get me, you know, with Universal, I did, but then that didn't work, it was too young. So uh, I guess since the beginning of time, there's scam artists everywhere and shit. So there was, uh, somehow they heard about this guy who was going to teach me showmanship, you know. And, uh, but in those days, $500 was a lot of money. But he was, you know, he's from Hollywood and all that shit. So they brought me and he was going to, you know, he's gonna, you know, okay, now when you get to this point, I want you to, this is interesting, you got to make a note of this. He said, now you start out when you walk out on stage with your back to the audience and you're looking over your shoulder. You know, and the song I was going to play was St. Louis Blues. St. Louis, you want better? You know, you're looking over your shoulder, and then you turn gradually. <laughs> and then you get to this point. That's it, right there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> shit. So, so, so now they were, they booked me. See, they said, okay, you, uh, you got, somebody, somebody got me engagement at... Uh, at this club on La Cienega, was it La Cienega? Yeah, in the, like the Jewish area there. And this guy, Leo Diamond, I think his name, he played harmonica, a great harmonica player, you know. And uh, they got me, anyway, I was gonna follow this guy's way of playing the song. And my dad was my biggest fan, no matter what, you know. So the place is filled, because in those days, no matter who was appearing, the place was always packed. You know, so I come on stage and I got my my back to the audience, and I can hear them snickering. You know, so I get through the songs and oh, oh yeah, here let us see, yeah, dip to the left, bow to the right, you know, and that's it. Now lift the eyes slowly, you know, sort of squint a little bit, and that's okay now. Now you know, whatever else, you know. Well, we went across the street after that first show, and uh, we went to the strike. My dad and I. And I says, well, I just don't feel good, Dad. He says, what's the matter? I says, they were laughing at me. That's all right. Well, that, you know, you did do it. No matter what I did. I could have played, you know, O Marie in the wrong key, and he'd say, you're the greatest, you know. Not that he'd be belittling his opinion. It's just that's the love and pride that he had, you know. And I guess he saw the natural, but so forth. So I says, you know, when I do the second show, Dan, if you don't mind, I says, can I do it without what this guy told me to do, you know? He says, sure. I says, but it cost you $500. Back then, honestly, God, that must have probably equivalent to about $2,000. You know what he said simply? Do it. What do I give it? What do I care? What the hell? It's only money. He says, go out there and do what you want to do. Well, just like in a nice, wonderful movie, I went out there just played what I felt, looked at one, 
And I killed him. I killed him. Well, he couldn't get over that. You know, and he didn't think about the $500 he had spent on this lame duck, duck scam artist, you know. So. And nevertheless, there weren't. That was, you know, this all happened before. Uh, this was why we'd go to uh, L.A. to visit and then come back to Fresno. Now we're going to make the big move because Harry Rogers, the agent, was going to give me better opportunities if I lived there. Doing what? I don't know. Play with a viol of this violinist, this woman, or... So that all happened before that. Well, how you're not going to... So now I, I, mean, I go to do the Horace Height thing. I come to audition, you know, for Horace Height. So, and so anyway, I, at the White Theater in Fresno is where the first broadcast was going to be, which is the theater's now gone, you know. So uh, there were two other contestants. There were four of us. But how you played... Uh, Alec Templeton's Staccata, or something like that. Staccati, or who knows what the hell they, it's the fire, or the fire dance, one of those type things. Very good, very good player, great player. A lot of uh, intensity. We were good friends. But uh, Hyde at one point came to me and he said, I was gonna do my bit, you know, imitating Art Ben, those guys. He says, he says, you're not gonna win this contest doing that. He says, what's that song? Now, this guy's not a musician. So, again, this is where I think you want to call it fate or whatever comes into play. He says, what's that song where you shake the accordion? Well, I knew Bumble Boogie Tico Tico as well as Lady of Spain, but only was motivated and inspired to shake the accordion, something that Cagnazzo taught me just to have fun on the last chorus of Lady of Spain. He's one where you shake the accordions. Well, it had to be Lady of Spain. You know, he says, play that. Let me hear it. This is during the day of the dress rehearsal. And uh, I played it. He says, that's the song you got to compete with. So we didn't have time to really do an arrangement for the band. So the musical arranger just wrote an intro, rhythm for three choruses, all in the key of C, with the ending C, C, F minor. <laughs>
to backtrack a little bit, at one point during the week, see, my dad and my mom, my dad, he was very successful as a butcher. He really was. He, uh, you know, he had, they started out together mortgaging a house on Oleander uh, for this butcher shop, then took over the grocery store, took over the ice house next door. They, uh, he opened up Fresno's first outdoor, indoor beer garden. He was dealing with uh, uh, bootlegging and all sorts. Of, he's making money every which way. So he was doing all right, you know. And the point, the reason I mention that is because I noted that, you know, one time we went to, like I say, Hagrid Patterson was a good friend of mine, lived on the west side, black, you know, black guy. He's very poor. And I never had this, innately, I never had this thing with having to, I don't know, uh, you know, to be, uh, to compete, to win the importance of winning and I noticed that we dropped him off. You know, he invited me inside, and I bet the house was about as big as a closet. I mean, it's small, you know, and old. And it was about about the eve of the broadcast. I came home. My mom was cooking. Everybody get over the stove there at 1845 Harrison. We had a beautiful home. Dad doing well and everything. I happened to say, boy, you know, I wish Hyatt would win this contest. See, I only, I only cared that uh, the country would hear me play. I didn't think about competition. I didn't think the importance of winning that way. Never advocated a, a competition. You know what I mean? Any sense of competition. It's almost like innately and everybody has their place and so forth. So I made that comment and right away the folks said, what, what, are you kidding? I says, no, I says, they, they could use it. Uh, he could, they could use the money and I just care that the the whole country are hearing me play the accordion. That's all I can think about. You know, I think I need the money or I need this, that, or the whole country could hear me play the accordion. Yeah, but you can't do that. You gotta win. You know, you gotta try to win. I said, whatever I said, I don't know, but it's like I felt this this thing like like they would be you know, we didn't need the money. They could use the money and blah blah blah. And again, I you know the whole country hear me play the accordion. So he got down to the uh, actual, just before the broadcast, and then a strange thing happened. Uh, Philip Morris was the sponsor, Philip Morris Cigarettes. And uh, there were two other contestants besides the two of us, but all during the week, when Heidi and I would compete against each other, it seems like uh, on one show, you know, every night we do what we do, we compete for a theater audience is there. Uh, it seems like he get more applause, or maybe I get more applause, you know, more intense applause. So, but it seemed to be between the two of us, and Hype, just before the broadcast, we got Hyde and I together and said, uh, you know, I think this contest would be between the two of you, so, because, uh, you know, by the way it went this week. So he says, whoever wins, I want you to say something like, you know, I'd like to thank Horace Height and Philip Morris for the opportunity of being on this show. And he says, Hadjid, let me hear you say this. So Hadjid said it. And then he walked away. So and that's what kind of got my dander up. And I, you know, I thought, doesn't he think I, I really have a chance to win? 
And that kind of gave me a, an added shot of ins uh, adrenaline, you know. So uh, there I was, you know, how you went on, great applause. I went on, and when I got to the bellow shake, everybody started applauding. So I, wow, kind of frightened me. Put my head back down, kept shaking. Now the thing was, uh, to judge, they didn't judge the applause right after each performance. There was a waiting period. Then you come back for the reprise, whatever they call it. You know, you do about eight bars or so, then heighten and cue the audience, tell them not to whistle, but to applaud and cheer if they wanted. And that's when they would watch this applause meter. They would, they'd have special guests on stage watching the applause meter to see who got the greatest applause. Well, I won, you know. Everybody's all excited. Well, they, but there was no form. I thought, well, that's it. I won the contest. Okay, on with my life. The whole country heard me play. And uh, got home that night, all excited, could hardly sleep. The whole country heard me play. Not so much that I won. But, you know. And uh, got a call from Hype the next day saying, uh, we're going to go to Los Angeles. We want you to come with us. Uh, to... to uh, in Pasadena to compete against the best talent there, three of the best talent. And I thought, oh no, you know, another contest? And uh, so my folks, yeah, let's go. You know, everybody's ready to go. Let's go to LA. We're going there anyway, you know. I let all my kumbadas know there, you know, by now, it's just the first show, so I don't know how big the listening audience was. So I played Lady of Spain again. And I won. And I, he says, well, by this time, they're starting to put the, the, the format together. <laughs> okay, here's the way the format's gonna go, they said, he and his staff, you know. Uh, we have the year broken up to where there'll be four quarters. And uh, the first quarter final, we'll have a, we'll have a you know, a quarter final at the end of each quarter. And, you know, then uh, you know the, the contest will consist of of uh, contestants uh, who will be there uh, one or came in close second or whatever, and there would be six of them. See, so I didn't know whether I'd win or lose or what. I didn't. I didn't have this obsession. I thought at any time that if I lost. I just go back to Fresno, you know, my my womb, so to speak, you know. Anyway, so I had my, my mom and dad there, my family. I was, I was too young to think about, gee, this could mean this. I didn't think about that. But he says, you can't keep playing Lady of Spain, so. What else do you know? Well, how about Bumble Boogie? There was no Bella Shake, but, but, but I knew the Bella Shake, everybody's going, hey, I like when you shake the accordion, you know. So uh, I won there. And then we went to like Pasadena against their best at the auditorium there. I won there, this time with Tico Tico, but I, I put in the bellow shake. Applaud, applaud during the bellow shake. I didn't think of it as, of it as uh, like a hook at that time, but I thought, wow, 
better do the bell shake. So, uh, so now I went three, was it four contests? Yeah, three, like there were three contests in the LA area. One was at UCLA against three of their, their best uh, student talent, you know. But I began to notice that people were, you know, talking about me. I felt like, like Jesse James, you know, like they didn't know what I looked like. I'd go in, into a restaurant or something and they'd be talking about the accordion player on Horace Heights show, Dick Contino. And so now we're gonna go to Omaha, Nebraska. Contest number five. Man of Destiny. On the train, you know, and they put me in the care of Horace Height and his staff, Hazel Turney, the older woman who was, you know, they were kind of running things. She was like, the, the, so he brought Haggard along, you know, so even though he didn't win, had to come along as a guest performer and play during the week on the, you know, and I felt glad about that. We go to check into a hotel or something, they say, well, you can't stay here. And so we didn't, nobody said, what? Hey, let's march. You know, they just, okay, well, can't stay. We can't eat in the same restaurant. Okay, uh, go get a bite to eat. How y'all see after, you know, there's a way of life. So I got to Omaha. And everybody's saying, I go into a restaurant and say, nobody's going to beat this kid. I'm, I'm sitting next to him, you know. <laughs> but unbeknownst to me, a guy named Johnny Vanna, you know, he came, this guy played uh, marimba, tap dance at the same time, whipped his dick out on, you know, he just, he just did all kinds of shit. And he had his high school there, uh, alumni with banners and shit. I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll lose this one. But I don't care, I go back to Fresno. What do I care, you know? So I, um, the song I was going to play was 12 Street Rag, you know. Bell shaking all, man. Key changes. Uh, but this time I'm inspired. I, I'm going to go down. <laughs> I'm going to go down in flames, you know. So because I had won, you know, the previous four weeks, I went on last. Here comes Johnny Van, man. With a marimba dancing, smiling, tap dance at the same time, drumming around on the stage, through the audience, back up on stage, and bada bada bing. And, and the banners in the back of the auditorium packed at the Orpheum Theater. Oh, and I get up and play my 12th Street rag. So come time for voting, you know, with that short eight bars, you know, I thought his applause was big, and mine was big, I didn't know where I stood. I just thought, if they announce him the winner, hey, I won four contests. Everybody's talking about me. The whole country heard me play. I'm going home. See you later. You know, I was happy, no matter what. While well, I'm standing there waiting, I look over and Hazel Turney, she liked me a lot. She's an older woman, but she liked me a lot, you know. And uh, she looked my way and she and she she moved her lips. You won. Well, I got a chill up and down my spine. I went, oh my God. So sure enough, you know the winner? The accordion player from Fresno. Everybody screamed. Boom. All right, there you go. Boom. Wins the contest. Well, that's going to do it for today. Um, I'll be back next Thursday. I have about about eight, nine episodes I'm going to put up, um, and then we'll go from there. But yeah, um, thanks for listening. 
Again, my name is Pete Contino. This is Accordion Brat. Uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you.